Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest, Paul Sokol. Uh, So Paul is on a mission to change the stigma around mental illness. After nearly succumbing himself in the summer of 2018, he received a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder and has been on the bumpy journey to recovery ever since. Paul has been running a lean two-person agency since 2016, drums in a metal band, which is awesome, and also also, um, awesome, has a charity called Keep Children Rockin' that provides music equipment and repair donations to local programs in need. So Paul, welcome. So excited and happy to have you with us. How are you? Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I, I enjoy doing podcasts, but it's usually businessy stuff. So getting to do stuff about mental wellness is, is like a treat. Yeah, well, I was so happy to have you. Um, and talking about stigma around mental illness is something that we really love to do on the podcast and think is so important. Yeah, there's just even just the word therapy people have weird thoughts and context and notions around, but really at the end of the day, humans weren't human brains weren't made for all the stuff we've got now and all the interactions and just the people. And so like the brain does weird stuff sometimes and um, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, most of the successful people I know are dealing with something. They deal with something mentally. And it's uh, and 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 the best of them turn it into a superpower. You know, they get they get control of it and, and learn how to how to wield it for whatever they need. So I guess, like for example, as a as a borderline brain having to manage that, uh, we're hypersensitive. So uh, in my job, I will will do copywriting. I'll write emails and social posts and text, all the, all this marketing stuff, and because I'm extra sensitive, it helps me, it helps me feel what the reader might be feeling. And then of course I may or may not want to do like, I might write something like, Ooh, that doesn't really feel good. And I'm not trying to do that at this point in the conversation. So, um, as far as the stigma around it, I, it's mostly sad to me because people feel it takes courage to go get any kind of diagnosis or just see if something's going on. And when there's that stigma, you almost feel like you have to hide it or do it behind the scenes or be sneaky about it, which only further kind of adds to the stigma, which sucks. Um, And the other thing that's really interesting or ironic almost is the people that are the hardest advocates against, you know, you know, mental wellness, for whatever reason, they just like don't believe in mental illness and stuff like that. Those people are usually some that need to process something at the very least. <laughs> like there's something there they got to process that ain't, you know, so who knows? Um, and I wonder, I mean, I'd love to get into stigma around borderline um, it, uh, definitely in a moment, but 
I don't know whether you would agree with this um, statement, but I think borderline is maybe one of the more misunderstood uh, oh, yeah. mental illness conditions. Um, and I wonder if for anyone listening who's like, oh, I've kind of heard of that, but I've absolutely no idea what it is, whether you could give us a really brief summary of, yeah. of what it is. Yeah, borderline. So, I mean, if I had to, to sum it up, I would say that people, yeah, the borderline personality brain basically makes everybody else responsible for their emotions while ignoring like their own kind of thing. And that's really a really simple, simplified way to do it. But like, for example, I'll pull up the, uh, I'm going to pull up the symptoms because they seem to be totally random, but clustered together. They, you know, they have these, these things. And I would say that when I was, when I was full blown suffering from this and, um, stuff was really bad. I had, you know, a lot of these symptoms. And so, um, so that, for example, an intense fear of abandonment or, or rejection is, uh, is, is an, is an important one, uh, whether that abandonment is real or not, whether it's real or perceived, um, you know, that, that, that can, it's this intense fear and you'll do whatever you can to avoid it. There's a pattern of intense and unstable relationships. That that's another feature of it. Um, rapid changes in self-identity and self-image, um, our, uh, the, the borderline brain doesn't really have a strong self image. Um, and in fact, there's some tools that I've been using for years that we'll talk about later, but, um, I now understand why they work well for me specifically. Um, there's, uh, you know, dissociation, uh, can be a thing, uh, impulsive and risky behavior, uh, any kind, you know, they list like gambling, reckless driving, shopping, sex, binge eating, drug abuse, all sorts of stuff. Um, suicidal threats or behavior, um, mood swings that go hot, cold, hot, cold, um, which is very difficult for a partner, for anybody that loves somebody with a borderline brain. There's, there's just intense feelings of emptiness, um, which compared with the self-identity is really crappy. And then for me, I dealt with the, the inappropriate and intense anger um, was like my biggest symptom. But, the, but at, at any point in time, again, when stuff was real bad, uh, the, you know, I'd be dealing with five or so of those things at once. Um, and so any, any one of those symptoms by itself can be, can be crazy to, to, to manage. But, um, you know, having them all hit at the same time really sucks. So if you're feeling empty, and uh, have a distorted self-image, and you're trying to avoid some kind of abandonment, you might do self-harming behavior. You might be impulsive and dangerous and just get over-intoxicated or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. And when you, uh, if, if you're happy to share, what was the process like of, um, you know, getting that diagnosis for you? So the process was... I guess I'll, I'll talk about the journey rather than the process. So I had like pretty much a full-blown breakdown and I had kind of locked myself into my girlfriend at the time's car and wasn't going to get out because she was going to leave. And, you know, I just knew I wasn't going to make any smart choices. So she took to the police station. I called the suicide hotline and they ended up selling, sending the police and uh, hired me out to the hospital. And, and then I was given a choice to either, uh, voluntarily spend 24 hours in a psych ward or involuntarily spend seven days. And so 
I was given chocolate and vanilla, and that was all I could choose, chocolate or vanilla. So I, I chose to voluntarily cool off for a day. Um, was given a very dehumanized type of diagnosis and recommendation. Um, and then it still took me a couple of months of, of, of you know, continuing to not be stable that my girlfriend's like, you gotta, you've got to get diagnosed. Like you've got to go do something about it. So with mustering up enough courage, I finally, that was the other thing too, starting through the mental health care system is just, I'm not even going to rant on that. It's terrible and broken and needs, needs lots of help as far as the customer experience, because I'm all about the customer experience and it's terrible. Um, but I got in, got diagnosed and the guy that was, you know, it was basically like an hour long or so conversation where it was just, he was just kind of talking and slowly figuring out like what may be going on. And he, cause I think they said bipolar, like they were saying like being bipolar in, in the psych ward and to take Lamictal. And then I went to get the diagnosis and he was looking, he's like, I don't think you're bipolar. And he pulled out, you know, his little DSM five when he went through the signs and the symptoms and, and we're like, that's borderline. Um, so borderline is often misdiagnosed too, which is very sad because you'll have people that'll get the wrong diagnosis, which gives them the wrong medication, which doesn't deal with what the, with, with what the disorder is doing. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's an interesting pathology too. Um, uh, as far as, you know, how it's, how it's believed to form and whatnot, but, um, that was my journey. And then got, oh, oh, I guess so. I got the diagnosis and then I'm the type of dude, I'm just going to fight stuff head on. So as soon as I got that, I'm like, great. Um, I got on, I got, you know, in their psychiatrist, you know, the, the, the center psychiatrist, I got into one-on-one counseling with the student. And I also got into group therapy of dialectic behavior therapy, DBT, which is evidence-based for people that have, um, you know, challenges with like emotion regulation and things like that. So not necessarily just borderline, there's other, uh, like PTSD, it's helpful for as well. Um, so I did, and DBT is just four modules. That's it. It's four training modules and with some exercises, you know, they give you homework each week and stuff like that. And so I went through it twice. Um, I only had to go through it once, but I, I went through it once to learn it. And then I went through it a second time to like, try and really put it into play. Um, and, uh, you learn tools and you get to learn about yourself. That's, I guess, for the borderline brain, for me, I never paid attention to how I felt inside. Like I just completely ignored that entirely. And so learning, you know, that was one of the important things to learn is that, listen, you're going to feel stuff. And, and this blew my mind. You can actually feel more than one emotion at once. Don't know if you knew that. That 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 was like a that was like a, a bomb dropping when when I learned that. That was a big thing to learn that really helped me out. I'm like, oh, so it is possible to be happy and then also sad and angry at the same time. And that's not like wrong or bad. You know, whatever right and wrong don't exist anyway. But um, it, and then it's basically identifying that and then managing it. Yeah. Really. Um, 
I don't know if you've seen the film Inside Out, but I think the way they do the having to... I'm aware of it. Yeah, the two emotions at the same time. And, and I think for her, it's more depression, but that idea that uh, an emotion or a memory can have two emotions tied to it, happy and yeah. sad, mm-hmm. I think is really well done yeah, in a children's film as well to be like, actually, yeah, you can have this mix of emotions. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I sort of go on about that that film because I think it's great. I chuckle because um, my therapist has recommended that I see Inside Out for that exact reason to to because you know work learning about the different parts of 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 my you know just how I think we all have different parts in our head you know as far as just how we think about stuff you know different roles and functions. So she's like, you should see Inside Out. I'm like, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, it's it's great. I would recommend it anyway. But thank you uh, for sharing, Paul, your your journey. And um, I know we sort of mentioned stigma at the beginning. Um, so what are some some of the kind of the big things that come up around borderline in terms of stigma or in terms of misconceptions that people have? So borderline is usually one of those almost like a lost cause type of things because you can't really fight it with medication. It's not like something like, you know, schizophrenia where there's like a chemical imbalance or whatnot that's genuinely causing this. It's a, it's, it's a a neural pathway kind of thing. Um, There's actually some research out there that suggests that people with uh, that, that a borderline brain actually has smaller pathways around the, Oh God. uh, Amygdala. I think, I think it was, yeah. So there, so which can cause, you know, the, you know, the the emotion dysregulation, all that kind of stuff. Um, But as far as stigmas, it's usually one of those, like if somebody's borderline, they're usually kind of like a lost cause kind of thing, unless they choose to do something about it, which is actually, I mean, in my opinion, kind of the case, like if, you know, if you're borderline, like if you've been diagnosed and like you're, you, you, you can get on the court with your life that you're suffering from this, you really are the only person that can do anything about it, which sucks. That's like a radical acceptance thing at some point too, is like you kind of are the only one that can ever help you out, which I guess is the same for, you know, all bits, but borderlines like that. Um, stigmas of borderlines. Let's see. I mean, it's, it's such a newer thing that there's not a whole lot of stigma necessarily. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people, there's an upsetting trend of, um, uh, well, two upsetting trends, you know, uh, you know, people on TikTok kind of self-diagnosing as, oh, I'm you know, borderline life in a borderline, all that kind of stuff. And then there's also a very uh, destructive Reddit group that fronts as a borderline support, you know, for for people that are, you know, that love those with the borderline brain. But it's really, it's not, again, it's very destructive. It's not a constructive conversation. Um, and so I guess really, I, there's not a whole lot, I mean, other than the whole, they can be, you know, completely batshit crazy. Um, I guess that's, that's about it. And usually it's also something that's apparently more prevalent in women, but I would, I would bet that there's more male borderline brains out there that have either been misdiagnosed or they don't have the courage yet to get a diagnosis. Um, I feel women are a little more open to getting, you know, that kind of, kind of help. That's not, I mean, I guess that's another stigma, just men and mental health. Like, 
Yeah, I don't know if there's been um, similar coverage in in the US, but there has been um, recently some of the sort of mental health charities um, in the UK have have done some posts around borderline because because of the um, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial and borderline kind of coming up within all that and about how that could potentially be really stigmatizing and what people associate with borderline. Yeah. So kind of saying, actually, yes, there's this sort of media coverage, but this is kind of what borderline is actually like, and then putting out more, you know, accurate information than just, you know, this conversation. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Um, I, as, as much as I, I don't know, don't enjoy celebrity stuff being in the news. I'm actually very happy this is getting so much press for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, it's breaking a stigma that only men can be domestic violence perpetrators. Um, One of my previous relationships, I I, I ended up getting arrested for domestic violence for breaking a birdhouse. Uh, Actually, no, sorry, that was, it was a voicemail, a drunken voicemail. That was what officially broke the law. and in domestic violence prevention class that I had to take, I learned that we were both perpetrators of it. And, you know, I was just the one that got caught. And so with this, 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 this Depp Heard trial, you see a lot of that too, where like, you know, you know, even shouting and yelling at each other is domestic violence. And, you know, she apparently threw a bottle and slashed his thumb or something like that's, that's domestic violence. Like it's, um, you know, so there's that, I'm glad that that's conversation is happening because I mean, I was absolutely, I was absolutely a victim of domestic violence. And of course I also was, was a perpetrator as well. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's holes in the wall to prove it kind of thing. Um, and then the other thing though, is the whole mental health aspect of it. Cause I look at Amber Heard and I look at Johnny Depp and I see, I see Johnny Depp being someone that's just like, I don't know if he has any, I mean, he may have some stuff he has to process, and whatnot but like i think if anything he just has like maybe ptsd from being in, in a toxic apartment uh, being in the sort of relationship that didn't work like that um and then i look at someone like amber heard and just the the inconsistency and the flip floppiness of stuff doesn't necessarily mean it's borderline but again that's also up to uh, up to to her to be like hey listen is is she trying to avoid perceived abandonment? You know, does she have a distorted self-image? You know, is she chronically feeling empty? You know, these kinds of things like, um, and it's, it's hard. And I can only imagine being under a spotlight um, with all of this and then also trying to just be a human and live and process. It's gotta be hard. Uh, and the conversation is happening because you know what? It, there, there's probably a million Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's out there, just people in relationships where it's not working and both of them have things to process. And, and likely one of them may even have a mental illness um, undiagnosed. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you'd, you'd briefly mentioned about tools that work for you, and yes. I wonder if you wanted to, to say anything um, about, yes, things that you found that, that help you. Yes, so... I've been doing affirmations since college. So for, you know, on and off, you know, for maybe about a decade or so. And it worked great for me. And I never really understood why, you know, I'd go through periods where I would and then I wouldn't. And then after diagnosis, I realized, holy crap, doing affirmations every morning is taking my borderline identity that's already paper thin and it's reprogramming it effectively. 
And what I've done over the years is I've, I've developed, there's, there's, a, there's a way to structure them to leverage as many neuroplasticity hacks as you can, Hannah. So it starts with the first name, you or your, and then the verb-based uh, the verb-based affirmation. So, uh, for example, where's uh, so for example, the first one, Paul, you deserve to be loved because so so Paul, my ears perk up. You, that's how we speak to ourselves, and then deserve to be loved. That's that's the affirmation, which and that's the number one affirmation because that's what I struggled with the absolute most. Nice, not so much anymore, but I definitely struggled with deserving to be loved, and then much less loving myself. So. Um, the affirmations are great. And then, uh, so that's one tool. Uh, another tool that's been super helpful. Uh, well, I guess medication's a tool. It's taken, uh, I've been on it and off it a few times, but I'm back on it again. And I think I'm at a good dosage. I'm on the generic Lex, I'm on generic Lexpro Escazalopram for uh, 15 mils a morning which is very light dosage and it's, it's an SSRI. It's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which basically means it, it keeps the happy chemicals in your brain a little longer than they normally would be. Um, so I'm basically buying neurotransmitters for myself and that just helps me be a little calmer, have a little more of a tra- a little more of a, a, a fuse um, and, and be more mindful in identifying when I'm triggered. So medication is a good one. Affirmations are a good tool. And then let's see what else. Um, I guess uh, I'm a really big fan of kind of creating your own future and creating your own life. And so I'll, uh, I plan, uh, I mean, I've got, you know, a monthly plan, which is feeding stuff to, that I'm pushing for the quarter, which feeds up into an annual plan and so on. Uh, and that helps me stay focused as well. Um, as far as what should I be doing and what am I trying to set up to do? Like, like for keep children rock. And I want to finish the donations for uh, this, this round, this quarter. So we're likely going to be buying a bunch of guitars for a, for a classroom out here that needs to start a guitar program. So I've got the local, the, the local shop is researching good student guitars that aren't ridiculously expensive. And uh, yeah. I mean, and that's just one of the things in my goals. So like, um, yeah, affirmations, planning, and then meds if you need it. And even if you don't need meds, definitely supplements. Like, especially I was saying earlier, we have the world we live in today isn't what humans like, you know, we're designed, you know, revolve to or whatever. Um, so like definitely taking supplements, you know, either you know, some probiotics or multivitamins, even if it's just making sure you're drinking enough water, like, that's a, that's a big tip, actually, uh, just making sure you're eating, drinking, and sleeping, too. I mean, I can't tell you how just getting seven and a half hours of sleep can sometimes be all you need to wake up and be like, oh, I feel better now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for those, I think, kind of strategies and some tips kind of thrown in there. So um, I'm going to ask you the rest of my set questions, yeah. if that's all right. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, yeah, I always love to, um, you know, get different perspectives from guests that come on about what mental well-being means to them. So what does that kind of phrase mean? To mm, you? It's a great question. So mental well-being. 
to me, mental well-being is where you are, you have complete sovereignty over your mind and you are choosing rather than reacting or being slave to. I know that's kind of almost Yoda-y, but did, did that make sense? Yeah, it did. That's great. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. And then my follow-up, and you might have already, you know, kind of covered this in, in the sort of strategies and tips, but my follow-up is always what you do to look after your own mental well-being. Ah, what do I do to look after my own mental well-being? Well, in fact, another tool to, because I'm, 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 I love productivity and I, I consider myself high performer, all this jazz. So um, every single morning starts off the exact same way. And, and I designed it like that last summer. I realized that I was, you know, kind of out of caliber, out of alignment. And so when me and my, uh, my girlfriend were splitting at the time, I, I moved to Vegas for a couple months to live with my parents and, you know, reset. And I realized that my morning routine had just blown to the wind and didn't serve me or exist or anything like that. And so I'm like, well, no wonder I'm feeling like I have nothing every single morning. So I intentionally designed it so that no matter where I wake up, my morning can pretty much always be the same. Uh, and then that sets me up for success. And so within about, you know, so upon waking, you know, I'll go pee, brush my teeth, get dressed, and then go say my affirmations. And what's cool about the last affirmation is I'm also choosing a possibility because uh, it's Paul, you're in charge of how you feel uh, today and today I choose and whatever. Today I'm fun and the possibility of fun. And so then after choosing my possibility, I go and take my meds. And that starts the day. And so it doesn't matter if I'm on tour of the band, if I'm at home, if I'm, you know, crashing at my girlfriend's place or something like that. Um, I'm always going to make sure to have my meds. And um, worst case, maybe like I just don't have a toothbrush, but everything can be the exact same. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Rituals, ritual, I guess, is really important. And um, even evening ritual, midday, whatever you have to do for yourself. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much, Paul, for sharing this. I have a, a final question before um, we find out all your details and where people can find you. And that's, I love to read, I can't see all my books um, and TED Talks and those kind of things because books aren't for everyone. Um, but do you have a recommendation of something that's been really impactful in your life that you think we should check yes. out? So for the person that has a borderline brain to manage, there's a book called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, which is exactly the hot, cold, black and white of a borderline brain. Uh, it'll give you insight. And there's a book called Stop Walking on Eggshells, which gives you education on the borderline brain as well as tactics that you can use to work and ha to, to have things work and, and, and be manageable. Uh, and also, of course, keep yourself safe. Um, in fact, the, the speaking of mental health stigmas, I've been very careful this whole time to say managing a borderline brain and not identifying. And I think that's a really important stigma as well as people. Uh, I mean, I don't believe people are their diagnosis. And so like, I'm not borderline. I manage a borderline brain, but I am not borderline. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for highlighting that. And then sadly, that is the end of our time together. So uh, if you could let us know where we can find you, um, if you've got anything going on that we should check out, yeah, how we can connect with you. 
Absolutely. So, of course, I'm all over LinkedIn. So if you're a professional, feel free to look me up, Paul, S-O-K-O-L. I'm the cool looking guy. And then the if you're also a businessy kind of person and, uh, and you like that kind of stuff, if you go to book.paulsokel.me, I'll be releasing my second book soon. And you can get on the wait list for that as well as my under the hair emails, which uh, dish out all sorts of juicy business stuff because I'm always trying cool stuff out and sharing it with people and seeing what works. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for, for joining us and everything that you've shared with us. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm sure that our listeners will as well. Yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So a massive thank you to Paul for joining us and for sharing his experience. Um, and yes, as you've heard, this episode, we're back um, full episodes and hopefully for the next few weeks as well. Thank you so much for your um, your patience and concern. As you know, we're a mental wellbeing podcast. And I think part of that is also checking in with ourselves. And I always encourage you to check in with yourself of what you feel able to do with your well-being. And when you recognize that you need to have a bit of a break and pause um, to do so, you know, if you can, sometimes we have commitments we're unable to, um, and it can take a lot of courage to say, actually, I need to take a step back for a moment. So thank you for the patience. Um, but as you can see, yes, we're back. And um, as you know, we have a whole mix of type of shows that we that we do. We'll have people who will share um, kind of well-being more generally, if you like, for how we can just stay on top of our mental well-being, of strategies that can help us be uh, more efficient, more connected, um, happier, all of those, all of those things. Um, but I think it's also really important to talk about mental illness as well. And I think the best way is to have people come and share their experience because you know, we can all, and I've, you know, done it before <laughs> from the, the mind websites might go to for, um, different mental health conditions and the, um, the symptoms, the treatment, how to support people. And it is definitely somewhere I would recommend for information, but it's really just like a kind of, yeah, objective. Oh, this is what it could be. And it doesn't really tell you much about the experience of having that, that mental health condition and mental illness and so I think it's really important to have conversations like the one with Paul today which I hope you enjoyed um I definitely did um to actually hear what it is like and so obviously this is this is Paul's experience it'll be different for other people with a borderline brain um but I hope it really helps you to understand a little bit more and hopefully conversations like this help with those misconceptions and that stigma and yeah, I think it's really important to be having those conversations. And as we come out of Mental Health Awareness Month, Mental Health Month, I honestly have not got involved this year because one, as I've said before, I have a real like mixed feel about awareness days because sometimes we can kind of feel like, yeah, I've done it now. We've talked about it for this day, this week, this month, whatever. So now we're good till next year. And actually, it's really important that we have these conversations all the time. And for me, Every day, every week, every month is a, a mental health awareness, whatever period of time, um, because it's so important. And so 
that's one reason um, that I think it can be good that people's attention is on things like we talked a little bit about um, the Depp Heard trial uh, in this episode. Things like that can bring things to the forefront and then people who maybe wouldn't normally have conversations maybe will and are maybe more receptive um, to talking about things. Um, but yeah, but also um, just with my mental health at the moment. Um, and actually, no, I say that. <laughs> I've my mental health yes but it's also about uh, having a lot on and being quite overwhelmed and before things you know we can be really tempted to just like oh just keep doing 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 everything and that's not healthy that's the way to burn out um overwhelm and just generally being frazzled so um one of the things I'm working on is recognizing when I need to pause when I need to reach out for support when I need to and do whatever I need to do, um, and to try <laughs> and allow myself to do that. So that's been a big reason, actually. Well, I am quieter on social media, maybe, than I would normally be, um, and didn't really talk about Mental Health Month. But, yeah, this is, um, I guess, a reminder to think about it. I guess if you're listening, you are thinking about mental health and well-being. Um, but, yeah, that as we come out of this month, to carry on those conversations, because it's it's not just a one month a year thing, you know, this is so important all of the time. Um, so yes, that's, that's everything from me. Um, I just wanted to say a proper hello and thank you to you. I'm really grateful for everyone that tunes in and listens and supports the show. And, um, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but it's our 200th episode. So I feel like we should do something, although some of them have been small little check-in things. I don't know if they fully count, but anyway, I'm going to say they are because it's my show. So <laughs> that's, the you know great power comes great responsibility but yes so 200th show uh next week i don't know what we will do but yes um have a great week um or a good week or a have a week <laughs> however however it is i do hope that you take some time to reflect and to pause and take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i will speak to you soon bye for now <laughs>